We're in a week three of a series called Beyond. And I want to talk to you for a few moments about living at the next level. Living at the next level. When I was growing up in uh, we woke up, uh, Oklahoma, uh, mom was a big cereal person. She always had cereal in the house. Who else grew up e- eating a lot of cereal? Come on, who eats a lot of cereal right now? You're cereal lovers. And, and mom would buy cereal, fruity pebbles, and, 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 and frosted flakes. And I don't know why, but mama liked Total. I ate that Total that one time. I'm like... Don't get me total, but, but, but my favorite cereal growing up was Captain Crunch. Anybody come on? I loved Captain Crunch. And, and, and church, I'm telling you, that they don't do cereal like they used to. It's not the same. I'm telling you, like this big old box of cornflakes. And, you know, we'd eat cornflakes sometimes. But I, I ate cornflakes. It might have been. It should have been just Captain Crunch. I'm going to put sugar all over it. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'd eat cornflakes and and nowadays, you, you get these, these, these bags and you get this big old box. And it looks so, it just looks like, man, this has got a whole lot of cereal. And then you, and then you open up that bag and it's. <laughs> you like half the bag. You got that big old box. Just so everybody can see. Oh, watch this, watch this. Uh, you see my hand? I'm going to stop when I hit the cereal. What? This cereal has over-promised and under-delivered. It's got this big old box and a half bag. A half the bag is full. A lot of things in life over-promised and under-delivered like the Dallas Cowboys. We went and got a Super Bowl coach, Mike McCarthy. I thought, this is our year. This is our year. I'm praying not to be depressed watching them play football. It's, it's horrible. People overpromise and underdeliver. Parents can promise to be at the ball game and, and then something happens and then they don't show up their child's ball game. Or, or children promise, I'm going to clean my room up today and then you go in the room and it's dirtier than what it was before they, before they said they were going to clean it up. Or, or the boss, boss promised a raise or a promotion and you saw neither. Or your spouse promised till death do you part and then they left. Or the doctor promised your health will get better in two weeks and eight weeks later you're still sick. The company promised you'll only be on the phone waiting 15 minutes. You've been on there an hour. People can overpromise and underdeliver. We live in a society. Companies and people and cereal boxes can overpromise and underdeliver. And then you and I can get skeptical. We, we kind of live in a skeptical society where everybody is skeptical when somebody says something because we're so used to people over-promising and under-delivering. And even when it comes to God, we can start wondering, God, will you really do what you said you would do? Because we just have this skepticism when it comes to what people say to us. And, and, and the theme verse for our series, Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. And some of you have heard this scripture now for two or three weeks. And you, you're wrestling with whether God really I mean, God, do you really want to do exceedingly abundantly beyond in my life? I mean, God, I've been disappointed so many times. I've been let down so many times. And I'm wondering if you will disappoint me too. 
And you begin to question what God says. You begin to doubt the promises of God. And I want you to know if you're there today and you're doubting the promises of God and God, will you really do exceedingly abundantly beyond in my life? You're not alone. The disciples wrestled and struggled with believing this. And I want us to look at a story today, the feeding of the 5,000. If you have your Bibles with you, I like, I'm old school. I still, care, I still have a Bible that I read from, a paper Bible in the mornings. If you, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew 14 and also put your finger over in Mark chapter 6 because I want us to look at the story of the feeding of the 5,000 from the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Matthew. And both of these books give us some interesting insight about how the disciples struggled believing that God wanted to use them to do big. They, they struggled believing it. Let's pick up in the book of Matthew chapter 14. It says this, verse 15. I encourage you right now to hit the share button. Come on, get your phone out. I'm telling you, I'm going to give you a principle today that changed my life, and I believe it'll change a lot of your friends and family's life as I teach God's word. Here it goes. I want to show this to you. Matthew chapter 14, verse 15. It says, that evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. And, and this crowd was around 5,000, not counting women and children. You'll see later in the story, it's probably around 15,000 plus people. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. You feed them. The disciples were like, What? What are you talking about, Jesus? How are we going to feed them? It's a remote place. We're out here in the middle of nowhere. We just told you it's getting late. By the time we get to Chick-fil-A, it's going to be closed. It's late. Lord, and man, you know we don't have enough money anyways. If we get to Chick-fil-A, we can't buy chicken nuggets for all of these people. You want us to feed all of these people. Yes. I want you to feed them. And the first thought I want to get into your heart today is God wants to do exceedingly abundantly beyond through you. God wants to do exceedingly abundantly beyond through you. God is saying this to some of you today. I want you to feed them. I want to use you. I want to do big things through your life. I want to do exceedingly abundantly beyond more than you could even think or ask. But some of you keep telling God, well, God, here's why you can't do that. You keep telling God, God, you can't do big through my life. You don't think you have what it takes. It leads me to the second thought we've got to get in our hearts and minds today. And that is you need to examine what you have. Examine what you have. Let's look at the story here from the gospel of Mark at Mark 6 and verse 37. It says, but Jesus said, you feed them with what they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy chicken nuggets for all of these people. Have enough, we can't get enough food for these people. Verse 38, how much bread do you have? He asked, go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. I want you to catch this. Jesus asked the disciples, what do you have? Fellas, before you arrive at the conclusion that I cannot do big through your life, the first thing I want you to do is examine what you have. Don't get so focused on what you don't have that you overlook what you do 
path. Too often people get stuck in life because they're focused on what they don't have. Man, I've been there. I've told the Lord at times, I don't have what it takes. I remember feeling like, God, I don't have enough. I don't have what it takes to be a pastor. There's no way, Tiffany, I can start this church. I, I, don't, I don't have what it takes. I, 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 Lord, I, I'm, an, I'm an introvert. There's no way you can use an introvert. Surely you're going to use an extrovert to build your kingdom. You can't use me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not enough. I can remember thinking, God, I'm not smart enough. I graduated with college with a two-point-something GPA. God, I'm not smart enough to do this. Um, you got, I'm not qualified, God. I, I don't know enough of the Bible. Yes, I got a Bible degree, but God, I don't, I don't know enough of the Bible. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough leader. I'm not a good enough communicator. There's no way, God, you could use me. I, I just kept telling God, God, I'm not enough. I remember thinking, God, I'm not going to be a good enough husband. I'm not going to be a good enough dad. I felt like I wasn't enough. And some of you, that's where you're stuck. Because you keep looking at what you don't have. You keep feeling like you're not enough. Listen, you keep telling God, well, God, if I, I don't have enough education for you to use me. I don't have enough friends. I, I don't have enough money or, or resources. God, I don't have enough time or enough strength. I don't have enough talent. God, I don't have enough connections. And the devil wants to keep you stuck looking at what you don't have. And Jesus is saying to you today, get your eyes off what you don't have and get your eyes on what you do have. Exceedingly, abundantly, beyond always happens with what you do have, not with what you don't have. I'm saying to somebody today, God wants to do big through your life, but start looking at what you do have. Don't overlook what you already have. Come on, you got a little strength. You, you got a smile. You, you got a friend. You, you got a job. Don't overlook what you already have. You got a car. You got two legs and some arms. You got a small group. You got a church family. You got some clothes on your back. Maybe you got a spouse or a paycheck or a savings account. Or maybe you got a home. Maybe you own some rental property. Or, or, or you can sing. Or you got technology skills. You, you got some food. I'm simply saying don't overlook what you already have because God does exceedingly, abundantly, beyond, not with what you don't have, but with what you do have. He says, fellas, before you tell me you can't feed them, go see what you have. Number three is this. You need to bring what you have to Jesus. Bring what you have to Jesus. Notice this in Matthew chapter 14, verse 17. It says, but we have only five loaves of bread. And two fish, they answered. Jesus said, bring them here. You see, once you identify what you have, you got to bring it to Jesus. You got to surrender what you have to Jesus. You see, you got you to look, what, what do you have? And, and, and they had five loaves. Five loaves. You didn't know so much could come from under this little table, did you? <laughs> they had five loaves, and, and the Bible says they had two fish. And you get five loaves, two fish, and you look up, and you see 15,000 people. And you think, Lord, 
Jesus. Here. It's all I got. All you have is all you need if you surrender it to Jesus. In your hands is natural. In God's hands is supernatural. In your hands is micro. In God's hands is macro. In your hands is small. But in God's hands is spectacular. In your hands is puny. But in God's hands is provision. In your hands it's mundane. But in God's hands it's a miracle. In your hands it's just a few. But in God's hands it is more than enough to feed 5,000 plus people, listen, over 15,000 people counting women and children because in God's hands, he can always take what you have and do more with it than you can. But so many people are scared to surrender what they have to the Lord. People are nervous. I don't know. I don't know. This past week... Got home and ate dinner with the family, and after dinner, sat around the house, and I started that sweet tooth jumped on me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't know where it comes, but it jumps on me. It just kind of started attacking me. And so I, I remembered we had some caramel apple suckers in the pantry. Man, I love those caramel apple suckers. I got all excited. There was a bag of them in there. I went in the pantry. I looked. I was like, where's them? Where are them suckers at? I know they were right there. Where, I don't, where are them suckers at? Like, man, where them suckers at? So I went in and I said, hey, hey, y'all, uh, those caramel apple suckers still in there? Oh, no, Dad, we ate them all. <laughs> Sat down, I, I, it hit me. Oh, I remember, I got some cookies. I said, man, just the other night, it was a bag of cookies. I opened them up. Ate some cookies. I left them on the counter. I got excited. So I was looking on the counter. I mean, I was looking. I was like, I started moving. It's kind of moving stuff, looking. Like, where are them cookies I, I ate the other night? And, and I couldn't find them. And so I went in the bedroom. I said, hey, Tiffany. Hey, baby, them cookies I had the other night, where, where are they? She goes, oh, you left the bag open. And I actually didn't spill something on them. I had to throw them away. <laughs> you see, when you have a family of six, you know this. You got to hide them caramel apple suckers so nobody can find them. You got to hide them cookies. What was I thinking? You can't leave that stuff open with a family of six. And that's what we feel with God. Like, God, I can't give you my caramel apple sucker. You might eat it. God, I'm not giving you my cookies. You might make a mess of them. And that's how we feel with God. God, if I give you, if I surrender what I have to you, somehow you're going to mess it up. No, that's not your God. Let me teach you what God says. We just get so skeptical that God will overpromise and underdeliver because we're so used to people doing this to us. But no, let me tell you what God says. The fourth thing is this, what you give to God, he multiplies. What you give to God, he multiplies. Matthew chapter 14, verse 19, it says, then he told the peoples to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked 
up toward heaven and bless them. God will bless whatever you put in his hands. He can take it, go, make it go from natural to supernatural. It goes on to say, then breaking the loaves into pieces. He gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Come on, somebody left some leftovers besides your pastor. Come on, there was some, God bless so much, there was leftovers. It goes on in verse 21 to say, about 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Jesus took five loaves and two fish and when they put it in his hands, he multiplied. He, he, he took what was not enough and he made it more than enough. He took what they thought they could not feed 5,000 and he did exceedingly abundantly beyond what they even thought or could ask for. Twelve baskets left over. But you got to catch this. You got to catch this. You got to catch this. You, I, I got to show you because this is so important. I want to teach you this principle. It changed Tiffany and I's life. This principle I'm going to give you right now. I want you to notice how God used them to distribute this bread. It's a principle of multiplication. You can't miss this. So Jesus blessed the bread, gave it back to them. But he didn't give back to them 5,000 loaves. He just gave them back the five loaves and two fish. And they were like, man, Jesus, I don't know what's wrong with Jesus. He said, put them in groups of 50 and 100. And we're going to take these five loaves. <laughs> okay, we'll do it, God. So they go, rip off a piece, look back. It grew back. Like, what? Here. What? It grew. They, it, it gave another piece. What? What? And they gave another piece. And, 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 and what they gave in faith, Jesus multiplied it. But it wasn't until they gave it in faith that it multiplied. They didn't understand how is this going to work. But it's the principle of multiplication. What you give to God, he turns back and multiplies it in your life. God wants you to be blessed so that you can always be a blessing. You can't be a blessing to others and bless the hurting and the needy and the missionary unless God blesses you. And God says, whatever you give to me, I'm going to turn around and bless it and multiply it back into your life. But here's what people think. People think, no, 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 God, when you give me more, then I'll give. No, 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 you're missing the principle of multiplication. No, you give first, and then God multiplies it back in your life. Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, so, so I, I, I got this box of cornflakes, half empty. There it goes. And Jesus said, listen, if you will give me your cornflakes, if you will, if you will give me what you have, he says, let me tell you what I'm going to do. You give it to me. He says, I'm going to give back to you good measure. Good measure. Look, he put two boxes of cereal in that box right there. Come on, church. And then, then here's what he says. Here's what he says. He says, 
I'm going to give to you good measure. If you will give to me, I'm going to give to you good measure. Press down. I'm just teaching your Bible to you right now. I'm going to give to you good measure. Press down. Then he says this. He says, shaking together. Press down. Shaking together. And, and then he says this. Running over. God says, if you, if you, if you give me your cornflakes, I will do more with your cornflakes than you can ever do. It'll be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Why? Because I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others and help others and meet the needs to others. But it happens when you give first to me. This principle changed my wife and I's life in our 20s. Here's what I want to teach you. Here's what I want to teach you. Let me, I want to give you application. I'm an application principle, a pre preacher. I don't want to just give you the, the principle and, and then, and then the, the excitement of the principle. But let me help you apply it to your life. Let me give you four levels of generosity, four levels of generosity to apply this principle. It's the principle of multiplication. What you give to God, he multiplies it. I love what the old saints say, you can't outgive God. And it's so true. Four levels of generosity. The first level is spontaneous. It's just the first level. I'm, I'm going to teach. For some of you, it's going to be the very first time you've ever, you've ever heard this. And it, it, there's different levels of generosity. The first level is spontaneous. Giving spontaneously is when we randomly give. We, we just feel compelled to give. We weren't planning on giving, but we saw a need or we saw an opportunity that presented itself. And so we gave. But we see this in the story. They weren't planning on feeding all these people, but they saw a need and they ended up meeting the need. It was spontaneous. It wasn't planned. My wife and I, we give spontaneously. We, we, we do this. We see a need maybe on the street or a need in our church family or a need in the community or we see a need in the store and buy some groceries. We, we weren't planning on it, but we do it spontaneously. Our, our church gives spontaneously. We, we just recently did it with the ice storm and we helped about 140 of our church family that had a need because of the ice storm and losing power and their food and we just spontaneously gave. We've done it through with hurricanes around the world. We, 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 we've, we've done it. We've given with COVID-19. Didn't have any idea this was going to hit and there'd be so much need but we just gave spontaneously and most people give spontaneously and they think, you know what? I am so generous but spontaneous giving is, 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 is the lowest level of giving. It's an important level, but there's another level of giving. And the second level is systematic. Systematic giving. Uh, uh, people who give systematically are what I call percentage givers. They don't just give spontaneously when they see a need, but they actually plan 
to give to the Lord. They, they, they plan a percentage of their income to give to God. The Bible calls percentage givers in the, in the Bible, they call them tithers in, in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. It says a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So, so this is the tithe is giving 10% of our income. So they're spontaneous and then there's systematic. It's a percentage of our income. It's, it's the tithe where we give to the local church where we worship. Now, we don't randomly give the tithe. My wife and I have been tithers ever since we've been married, before we really got married, and it's the first thing in our budget. It's planned. You don't, you, you don't just stumble into 10%. We, we actually plan to give that, and actually for us, it, we give it on the app. It's set up reoccurring. It just comes automatically out of our account every single month. It's, it's systematic. It's, it's planned and then, then there's another level. So you got, you, you, you got spontaneous, you got systematic, but the next level of giving is strategic. I want to teach this to you. It's strategic. Strategic is, is what I'm calling offerings. This is planned giving over and above the tithe. And every year, Tiffany and I, we always pray and plan out what does God want us to give over and above the tithe. For a couple of years, our family supported a, a little young girl in Africa. We just, we just plan to do that over and above our tithe. Every year we set aside money to help those in need during Christmas time. It's just, it's just it's planned giving above our tithe. Our church, we do that. We, we, we've had an event the last couple of years called the Big Give. How many love the Big Give? Are we just able to bless families in need and be a blessing to those who are hurting? I mean, we, we, just, we just bless people. And I love that as a church, we, we plan on that. Now, now, this year, because of COVID-19, we're not going to do the Big Give. We're calling it this year the Christmas Toy Giveaway so that we can partner with organizations who are more equipped to, to minister to families in COVID-19. And so we're going to do it again. So starting next Sunday in all of our lobbies, we're going to have boxes set up and we're going to all begin to bring toys. My wife and I, we always do this. We always participate. It's in our budget that we're going to buy toys for those kids and turn them into the boxes over the next uh, few weeks. We're going to do that. It's strategic. Every single year we pray about God, what do you want us to give over and above our tithe to dream builders, to the miracle offering. We just do this every year. God, what are you speak to, speaking to us? It's planned. It, we, we, we put it in our budget. We, we pray about it. We, we plan for it. I, I got to give you some exciting news. This past week, two families in our church that love our church believe in the vision of people's church, that they believe that this technology need that we have that they believe in supporting local, national, and international missions. And they said, Pastor, we're setting up a matching fund of $100,000 for the miracle offering. Somebody ought to give God praise. I just thank God. And I'm telling you, those families, that th this is planned. It's not, it's not just spontaneous. They're, they're planning it out of their, their budget to be generous to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 talks about this. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly or sows little, this scripture changed my life, sows sparingly will also reap sparingly or reap little. And whoever sows much or generously will also reap generously. 
generously. Each of you should give. Notice this, what you have decided in your heart. This is planned giving. God, what do you want me to do? We pray about it. We, we seek God and we decide in our heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless, notice this, bless abundantly. He's able to bless abundantly. When you give to the Lord, he's able to bless abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies, catch this, seed. Everybody shout seed. Catch this. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Catch this, church. What God gives you, everything God blesses you with, is not to be eaten, is not to be consumed. Some of what God's blessed you with is seed. It's seed to be sown for a future harvest. Don't eat your seed. You have to pray, God, all that you've blessed us with, what do you want us to have for ourselves? And then what do you want us to give away so that we can be a blessing to others? And then God says, I will supply seed to the sower and increase your store of seed. And you all do this so well. Church, I, I want to brag on you. This past year, 2020, during this pandemic that none of us planned on, because of your generosity, because of your heart for others, because of your heart to advance the kingdom of God, over and above the tithe, you gave over $1.1 million to Dream Builders. Come on, can we thank the Lord? What? And man, we've been able to make a difference. Your faithfulness. We took over $600,000 of what you gave and we renovated our new building at Indianapolis and some of you have not maybe got to see that building. They'll throw up a picture of our People's Church Indianapolis location. We have a building that we moved into this year, and you can see the inside of the building as well. And God has just blessed us. Please throw that next picture up for me, the inside there, if you, if you have that picture. And just, man, I just want you to see that building of Indianapolis. You can throw that next picture up as well. Just, just I want you to see what your giving has done there in Indianapolis, and God is blessing that location. People are coming to Christ. We've taken $300,000 of that $1.1 million and we've set it aside for our Edmond campus. We wanted to launch Edmond this year, but because of COVID-19, we, we, we did not launch it, and we're just going to wait and, and kind of let this kind of die out, this, 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 this whole uh, virus and what's happening with it. You all see what's happening on the news and the, the spread of the virus, so we're just kind of gauging things and watching before we start the Edmond campus, but thank God we already have 300,000 set aside, and then we took another 200,000, and we gave to missions. We gave to local, national, and international missions to help the gospel spread all around the world. And I believe as we pray, church, as we understand God's principles and we pray and we seek God, I believe as a church we could do one to two million again, even in the turbulent times that we're living in. And we can get the gospel going around the world. We can upgrade the technology that we need. We can continue to support those kids in Haiti and start churches all around America, support the missionaries all around the world that we support because of your generosity. Some of you have missed last week or the week before. And you say, well, pastor, I would love just to see where my giving will be going to. If you will go to buildthedream.tv, 
after service. Buildthedream.tv. You can see the technology and the missions, local, national, international, where your giving will be going to. It's strategic. We pray and we plan to be generous to the Lord. And number four is this. Number four is sacrificial. Sacrificial. So, so, so I want you to catch these four levels. Spontaneous, systematic, strategic, and sacrificial. This is when you feel like God wants you to give even beyond what you feel you're capable of, capable of giving. You, 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 you're giving beyond what you feel like you have the capacity to give. It, it doesn't even make logical sense what you feel like God is speaking to your heart. It's sacrificial. The Bible talks about this kind of giving in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2. It says they are being tested by many troubles, but we can relate to that. And they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. I want you to catch this. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more sacrificial. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. It's sacrificial giving. And throughout Tiffany and I's almost 23 years of marriage, there have been several times where we have given sacrificially. The first time was in our mid-20s. We got married. I was 22 and Tiffany was 20 when we got married and we had some debt and we paid off our our debt, our school, our credit card debts in our early 20s. And then when we paid our debt off, we decided not to raise up our standard of living. We just said we're going to aggressively save. And we just saved and saved and say we probably lived on 70, lived on 20% of our, of our income, 20, 30%, and then saved the rest of it. We just saved like crazy. And we woke up in our mid-20s and we had $60,000 or so saved up and had no idea that God was going to speak to us about starting a church. He spoke to us and we said, okay, God, all we have is yours. I was... 25, Tiffany was 23, and we moved to Oklahoma City. And by the time we started People's Church, I had turned 26. And Tiffany shortly after turned 24. And we started this, this, this church. And, and to start People's Church, you say, Pastor, how did y'all do that? Well, there was no church planning organizations like ARC. That's why I'm so big for our church to be a part of organizations to help men and women fulfill the call on their life, the dream on their heart, and help them financially. I'm, I'm passionate because we didn't have that. We, 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 we literally took $40,000 of that money and moved it to Oklahoma City, and then we left 20000 in Springfield, Missouri. And we said to ourselves, you know what? In, in my mind, I thought, we'll end up needing that money once the church starts. But this $40,000 we are going to use, and we bought the equipment, and, and we, bought, we rented the AMC theater, and we, we got a small office space. And, and in my mind, I thought, boy, I'm not exactly sure how all this is going to work out. I didn't understand these principles like I understand them today. And church, I'm telling you, Tiffany and I could not outgive God. We, we, we thought, you know what? 
I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm telling you, church, God opened up doors. We got checks in the mail. Doors opened up for me to speak. And God just, God just, God blessed, I mean, God bless. We, we thought, man, we're giving everything we've got to start this church and, and we're going to empty out all of our, our savings account. And we were willing to do whatever it took. But God just began to bless. We didn't even take a salary from the church for the first year. The second year, we barely took a small salary. But God just blessed our, our family and opened up a door and opened up a teaching job for Tiffany. And doors opened up and money. And God just blessed. And can I tell you today, today, we got a little memorial in, in, in Springfield, Missouri. We still have that $20,000 in an interest-bearing account. We've never touched it. I don't know why we leave it in Missouri still, but that money is still in Missouri today. And we just remember, look how faithful God is. He, you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. And so I'm just asking my church family, let's pray. Tiffany and I are, are praying and seeking God. And we're going to give not only systematically and strategically, but we're going to give sacrificially. And I'm going to ask you to pray. Because I believe God wants to use you to be a blessing. And he wants to bless your life that you can continue to be a blessing time and time again. And so the commitment card, you can find it at peoples.church slash pcvision. And this next week, would you pray over that commitment card? and? And just fill it out this week online and, and turn it in. What's God asking you to do over this next year over and above your tithe? And then on December the 6th, come with your best miracle offering and say, God, I'm going to give towards that dream builder's pledge that I've made, that commitment to you. And I'm going to give aggressively in the miracle offering. And we're going to meet that matching fund. And God's going to do a miracle not only in your life, but in our church to see more changed lives. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord. I know some are skeptical, but I know your word is true. You do not overpromise and underdeliver. You are true to your word. And I thank you today, Lord, right now, that you're touching the hearts of people. You're speaking to us about dream builders, the miracle offering. You're speaking to some about tithing and honoring. You're speaking to some right now about giving their life to you, giving their heart to you right now, God. I thank you that you're moving in a powerful way in Jesus' name. His eyes are just closed at all of our campuses right now. I believe the Holy Spirit is working and saying to somebody, give me your life. Surrender your life to me. Surrender your life. I've got so much more I want to do with your life. If you will give God your life, he will multiply your life. God will use your life to be a blessing. God will use your life instead of you using your life to build the devil's kingdom. God will begin to use your life and multiply to build his kingdom. If you'll turn it over to him today. As I count the three, if that's you, you want to give Jesus Christ your heart. For some of you, you need to rededicate your life back to the Lord today. If that's you, as I count the three, would you raise your hand high in the air? Come on, even online, would you raise your hand high? Midwest City, Northwest, Indianapolis, just slip your hand up high. If you're online, you can also raise the, click the raise your hand button and give your life to Jesus. He can do so much more with your life than you can. As I count to three, just slip your hand up high. One, two, three. Just raise your hand at all locations. That's it. Just lift your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. Come on, Midwest City. That's it. Come on, Northwest. That's it. Come on, online. That's it. Thank you so much. So awesome. So awesome. So awesome. Hands are going up. Come on, Mabel Bassett. Come on, you ladies. Just lift your hand up right there and surrender your life to Jesus today. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. And God is going to wash away your sin. Pray with me right now. Heavenly Father. 
I turn away from my life and my way of doing things. And Heavenly Father, today I surrender to you. I make room for you. I give my life over to Jesus today. And I confess that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And from this day forward, Lord, I'm going to live my life to please you. Before I turn it over to the campus, I'm going to turn it over to the campuses in just a moment. Pastor Shannon, worship team, come on, Midwest City, Northwest, online, Oklahoma City. Come on, just right now, would you just surrender it all to God?